imagine all life as you know it stopping instantaneously and every molecule in your body exploding at the speed of light. Total protonic reversal. Protonic reversal. Protonic reversal with your host, Conan Neutron. Broadcasting from a secret underground lair in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. A gigantic middle finger to everything that is rotten about music, rock and roll, and corporate power. The thing is, though... If you don't laugh, you're going to go on a killing spree with sharp and nails. Confidence of a hero or a fool, I wasn't exactly certain which. Could not be more professional. It's Indeed, indeed, indeed it is. It's a science thing. It's a science place. It's a scientific fact that we are all up in your face. It is time once again for the one, uh, the only, Protonic Reversal. Welcome to it, welcome to it, welcome to it. This is episode 289. 289 episodes of this show. Can you believe it? I sure can. Feeling every one of those episodes right now. <clears throat> uh, of course, tonight we have uh, Ian Miller of uh, Kowloon Walled City, Strange Light, No Lights, Interesting Times Gang. Uh, so many awesome things that Ian has done. I'm very excited for this. Uh, there's also a, probably if you're paying attention to this, you already know, but if not, there is a new Kowloon Walled City record, and uh, it's great. So very excited to talk to Ian. <clears throat> for that, let me just do this spiel that I'm attempting to do uh, on these shows, so bear with me. Uh, welcome to Conan Neutron's Protonic Reversal. I am your host, Conan Neutron. I am a rock and roll lifer who has toured and recorded for over 22 years, most known for the band Conan Neutron The Secret Friends. Music is a huge part of my life, and I use the format of this long-running podcast to talk about music with musicians whose work I enjoy and respect. Folks that may or may not be household names, but do something very special. This is episode 289. If this is your first time listening to the show, all the archives are at ProtonicReversal.com and are always free. No ads, no sponsors, no kidding. If you'd like to support the show and get episodes sooner, you can give $1 a month to Patreon.com slash ProtonicReversal. And if you like the show, or even just a single episode, please feel free to share it along, like, subscribe, post a review. All of that helps people find the show. And it's just a nice thing to do. Of course, that is the compulsory podcast spiel that I only have started doing in uh, year seven and eight of this show. Uh, but yeah, let's talk Let's talk to Ian Miller. Now, I'm looking forward to this, man. Ian, welcome to the show, my dude. What's happening, Conan? Nice to see you. Yeah, it's been a minute, hasn't it? <laughs> it has been several minutes. Uh, we still have uh, on the wall of the Kowloon City rehearsal space, uh-huh. We have many flyers of, of uh, gigs gone by, and one of the first sort of like corner-turning shows for Kowloon City was like a late replicator show where we, I think, supported you guys or opened for you. But yeah, that was... Oh, uh, the, the, not not just late, the last replicator show. I holy think, shit, remember, it was, right? wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. The uh, one at the Hemlock. Yeah, that was epic. That's the one that's got the... Uh, it's like the, uh, <laughs> the, the switch you use for the electric chair. That's the one that yeah, it's that's also one. hung up at, at Ben's house uh, in LA. Yeah, yeah, that's the a very same. Uh, yeah, wow. Oh my God. Yeah, that that's that is 
Wow, that was a long time ago, my dude. <laughs> I, I think about you guys often every time I Aww. look at the floor. Oh, that's that's sweet. Um, dude, I, it's so great to have you on, man. You, you've been doing so much, so many different things. I've actually meant to have you on uh, significantly before, but uh, you know how it goes. I mean, it's it's a busy, busy world. You know, crank it, crank it. When, you, when you travel in the circles that Conan Neutron travels in with all <laughs> of his famous friends. It's just you know, so hard. It's so hard to. Uh, I understand it's going to take a while to get to you know the lesser known folks, which you know I totally understand. Uh, no, but I mean originally, if I remember correctly, the first time Scott and John were on, I think I was like, "Oh, bring everybody in," uh, because that's back before I knew like, yeah, the more people we have, the more chaotic and terrible it tends to be. <laughs> uh, and that and that you know whatever you were doing something, you're washing your hair. Who knows what it was? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, it, it's been a long time coming. Is is, is where I'm uh, going out with it. Uh, so why don't we, why don't we start why don't we start with the fact that uh, I think interesting times gang is interesting and can you I think it's actually got an interesting story that may even justify the incredibly long uh, band name uh, of which I know a thing or two about right uh, <laughs> so so can you tell me how you you came to do that how you came to do interesting times gang. Man, I have been fascinated with electronic music and beat-based music and rap and hip-hop for, you know, I don't know, since I was 12, since mm -hmm. I first heard, like, King of Rock or whatever, the first Run DMC thing. Uh, those early Def Jam records were, you know, as foundational to me as, you know, early rock and, you know, straight-edge hardcore stuff that I grew up on. So uh, that's just always been in, you know, been percolating back there. And I guess around... Uh, let's see, around 2000, I bought my first MPC 2000 and got a er very early version of Cubase and started trying to make beats. Oh, and I was trying to make beats even before that. I had a, a Lisa's HR-16 and I was trying to do like rap projects like back in the 90s. Right. Uh, luckily, there are no existing tapes of that um, <laughs> have survived. There, there were no survivors for that. For that. There were no survivors, yeah. I do remember an early... Uh, so I... Um, all right, uh, we're going way. It's, it's very early to go off on a tangent, and yet here we are. I mean, have you heard this show? It's okay if you haven't, but basically, <laughs> this show is tangents personified, basically. Okay, so uh, my partner and I moved out to the East Bay to Oakland in like 1990, and I joined All You Can Eat uh, with Devin Morph almost immediately upon arriving here. I like, you know, we, we found an apartment, we moved in, and Devin was on my doorstep. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> drafting me into his band so that was super cool and i met danny buzzard who is now and you know has gone on to do stuff like seized up and and uh is still uh, you know another rock and roll lifer dude and danny and i had a short-lived rap project um and i all i all I, the only thing i remember about it is that we had i don't even know if we had a name but we did have a song called to hell with the clan which was kind of cool <laughs> wow pres prescient and unfortunately timeless in its way yeah unfortunately uh uh yeah as uh, as timely as ever yeah, so, uh, yeah, I've just been fascinated with rap stuff, and I think it was just finally, you know, it was locked down, and I was working from home, my partner was working from home, I was stuck here, you know, around the clock, I have access to a, a PC and a, you know, a 25-key keyboard and a sound card, and so instead of going, my, my choices seem to be, like, lose my fucking mind, or, you know, double down on the music stuff, and so interesting times gang is essentially the output of me not not losing my mind he asked uh with a question mark at the end with his <laughs> voice going up at the end uh, 
so yeah, it was just like the thing that I could do while stuck at home. And I've been refining the approach and refining the approach and getting a little bit better at, you know, working with this stuff and getting a little bit better at mixing and mastering. And I feel like, you know, maybe the, the, the full length, the last full length that I did, which is called Beats, Rhymes, No Life, is um, uh, the most emblematic of, of kind of the direction that I'm going. There were some other full lengths that I just threw up on Bandcamp. Uh, but yeah, that's that, that thing I'm actually proud of. And I just dropped another five song EP uh, just last month. That's I, I'm creating these tracks faster than my label can put them out. So they've got to go somewhere. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's it's kind of wild. Like you're you're that's a pretty prolific output, you know. Uh, that's but it's hey, as far as the you know if if the dichotomy is uh, make lots of music and or go insane. It, it, first of all, it seems like a lot of people have chosen the other side of that. Uh, so, oh, yes. so yeah, props. I'm in bands with some of them actually. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know what? I'll just go insane. That'll be a lot easier. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, uh, yeah but believe believe it or not, there is actually some editing that goes on. Like I'm not just putting out, you yeah. know, I'm not putting out everything that I'm making. Uh, count yourself lucky for that. Uh, I am, you know, I am doing some editing and some refinement and 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 trying to be thoughtful about how I release this stuff. Uh, but you know, I'm just I'm pleased with with how it's coming along and how I am progressing as a you know an engineer, for lack of a better term. Like, yeah, it's all. It all seems like it's moving in the right direction. Well, I mean, it, it doesn't seem uh, ill-conceived or, uh, or tossed off at all. Right. Like, well, I appreciate that. Yeah. It, it, it feel it feels very thoughtful, but it definitely it, it feels like somebody who knows what they're doing and knows what they're trying to do, but is also enjoying the process of doing it and, and getting for, for sure. For sure, that is accurate. Um, I don't enjoy every you know every step of the process. Like some of it can be very frustrating. Like where you. You feel like you're 80% of the way there only to realize that you need to tear down the entire mix and, and start again. Um, but ultimately, you know, yeah. ultimately it's satisfying when you overcome, you, you know, you, you encounter those challenges and you overcome them or I don't know, you, do, you do something. To, you, you, you go through them and uh, you're transformed on the other side, I guess. Well, and is it, did you have any sort of, not rule set necessarily, but any idea behind it in the first place of like, okay, I want to make music like this or is it more just let's see what happens with this for sure the second approach um it was really just uh i i would i generally man it's so hard to, it's so hard to say in sort of broad strokes like i feel like each record that i do the approach is is slightly different for whatever reason a lot of times this is this is going to sound I don't, I don't know how it's going to sound a lot of times <laughs> I'll, um, I'll tell you how it's going to sound okay tell, tell me how this sounds okay <laughs> A lot of times it will be a um, it it will be organized like the organizing principle of a record or of a group of songs will be something technical like okay. a new interface or a new keyboard or a new effect or a new something or like a new piece of software uh, like I'll get a new thing and that'll inspire a bunch of a bunch of songs so I mean typically I would start out with a sample um, you know I, I would loop it I'd flip it I would break it. Um, and then sort of build up what's the song around that. So like find a percussion track that works with it, add a bass line, you know, add synth stuff, add guitar stuff to it. But I mean, it would generally like the germ of any song would be a sample that I would flip and, you know, hopefully make it not completely obvious. Um, maybe not, the, the goal is never to make it completely unrecognizable, but to make it, you know, uh, to, 
transforming. Yeah, transforming or camouflage it a little so that it's not like, uh, it doesn't sound like a puffy song where I'm literally just sampling like four bars of every breath you take. <laughs> and going, uh, uh. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> right. Try, trying to stay uh, the other side of, of the puffy approach. And, and, and offering to broker peace with anybody who has beef as well. Yeah. That, that offer still stands. I'm yeah, good yeah, for yeah, that. Exactly. That's good. That, that's yeah. unrelated to the musical activities. That's exactly. just general ambassadorship. Yes. I, I think. Well, okay. So then, when you when you when you're putting these together, like, how do you how do you know when that's done? Like, when when do you know it's time to stop messing around with it? That is an excellent question, and ultimately, I kind of, uh, uh, yeah, I, I guess I've developed I've developed a process, and it's still just really like, huh? I'm like doing the shrugging guy emoji, like. <laughs> Like sort, it's sort of like once I fill up all the sonic room, then I'm done. Like, does it have like high end information? Does it have low bass and sub bass information? Is there a percussion track? Is there a, an identifiable hook that you know will get people, you know, attract people's attention and retain their attention throughout? Um, and then, kind of once that's done, I feel it feels done. Um, and so there isn't a process per se, or there, you know, there isn't a. Um, a switch that flips that I know that it's done, but it just sort of like feels done and then it goes into a different folder and, you know, I'll, I'll pull it back out when I'm sequencing the record and I'll notice that like, oh yeah, this, you know, I could have done this differently or I'll refine it at that point. But um, yeah, I, I, I guess, I guess there are like, you know, five basic elements that I try and cover and then I'll, I'll listen back, you know, critically and sort of fill in the holes at the end. Gotcha. Okay. And, and then, you know, are you conceiving these as like, oh, this block of songs sits nicely together. This is going to be, you know, this release, or is it just more roll the dice, roll the bones? It, it's it's more it's more the latter. It's more that like, yeah, these are the thirteen songs that are the best of the twenty that I just put together, and that seems like a reasonable amount of time for you know to expect anybody to listen to a record. Here's forty minutes worth of stuff. Right. Yeah. Uh, let, let's just go with that. And, you know, I try to, you know, the, the sequencing part tends to be the toughest because, um, I don't know, you try and you try and uh, I don't know, in my mind, there's like hard stuff that's like, you know, abstract or, you know, uh, uh, like super aggressive hip hop stuff. Mm-hmm. There's like super melodic, you know, um, minimal, almost chill out stuff. And you just try and sequence all that stuff so, that, you know, that it's not. Uh, a, a stream of wonder that you know that, that it all alternates and it takes you on a journey somewhere. Right, right. So, I mean, did you have any idea? Like, are you were you thinking about it in terms of like are you, are you having to kill the babies, so to speak? Like, is there is there are there ones where it's like, oh, this is so great, and you're like, eh, uh, or was it? Oh, always, yeah. No, I mean. The, the only the only way that I begin working on something is that if I if I take a sample or find a beat or something and I flip it and then like oh yeah then I'm inspired when it sounds really good I'm inspired to work on it and so I'll dig into it and I'll spend you know three four days just immersed in that and then you know two days will go by and I'll listen back to it and I was like oh yeah no this sucks like this is just <laughs> this is just objectively not good. Um, oh my bad. Yeah, <laughs> that's just part of the learning curve. You're just like, oh yeah, no, that that turns out that wasn't good, and then you know that just goes on the the trash heap of history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I have you. Was there a process for getting okay with that? Like, <laughs> no, it still hurts every time. Like, you, right. like at the time, like I really do feel like, oh yeah, this is this is worthwhile. 
Um, and I guess the upside of that, if there is one, is that, you know, the, is that when, so I'm sequencing the record or I've got, got 10 songs that I'm stoked on, mm -hmm. um, is that I'll go back and I'll listen to the bad one and it just doesn't make the cut, right? And so that means right. that the other 10 are better. So I guess that's the, the, the upside to it all. I, yeah, I mean, what it, it's, to a certain degree, it's, it allows the other ones to shine a little more, I suppose, right? I mean, yeah, makes yeah, and yeah, that's you know, those are those are the babies that have to get split in half ultimately, I guess. <laughs> so, sacri sacrificing themselves for the greater good. But it, but it seems as if you're able to work fairly quickly with this stuff. I mean, you know, there's no Congress to slow things down or anything, right? Oh God, no. Yeah, I think then that's that's part of the the reason for the accelerated pace. Yeah. Uh, it's I, I, you know, I, I'm I'm a one man operation. You know, I will solicit feedback from friends and stuff, and I, I value uh, the opinions of the many, many talented musicians in my sphere. Uh, but yeah, I'm not collaborating with anybody. I'm, you know, it's just it's solely down to me to make these decisions. And you know, when it's good enough for me, it goes into the good folder. Right. <laughs> so I mean, th and that's a lot of pressure, right? Like that's a lot of freedom, but it's a lot of pressure as well because I, you can lose focus and uh, lose perspective. Yes, and that traditionally has been. I think that's why there was. You heard no uh, output from me from 2000 when I got my MPC uh, up until 2021, when I or 2020, I guess when I started putting out the first Interesting Times Gang stuff. Was that I was not. First of all, I wasn't a good enough engineer, recordist, mixer, all of those things to create stuff that was, you know good enough for you know yeah. to put out commercially but also i i am um just like i uh, was just very not confident in my own abilities and there was a lot of that that i had to get over with i was like this just has to be good enough um and i'll just put it out and see if other people agree kind of like i had to <laughs> right. I, I was i was my only impediment in that regard yeah, I mean, it's a minor miracle anybody listens to anything at all, right? I mean, <laughs> like true too. This, this day and age show, it's it's when people can get some enjoyment out of it. That that's a that's a lovely thing. But it, but it also occurs to me that since you're able to work more quickly, you're able to kind of turn around that time period where in the creative process where there's that weird no man's land of like, hey, the stuff's done, but now we're right. just waiting for the vinyl or waiting for right, right. You know, this or that, waiting for Godot, <laughs> you right, know, like whatever. Right. <laughs> waiting yeah, for and that, and that still happens, but, you know, I can, uh, I have a lovely label that I work with in Pax Eternum, um, but I can also throw five songs up on the web, you know, if I uh, don't feel like waiting until their next release window is available. Right. And it, it feels like that's, that's, that's probably a nice place to be, right? I mean, that, that probably keeps makes it easier. I've known people that get very um, dissuaded from creating too much because mm -hmm. it takes so long for it to get out into the world. And and I get it, right. you know, I understand. I understand how that could be that could be frustrating, especially you know you put your heart and soul in something and then it's just like, all right, and I guess we'll see how people react to it in ten months, you know. <laughs> Yes, and that's the Cali Walled City story. Right, <laughs> which, it was, which was what I was about to pivot to, yeah. Right, right. Uh, not 10 months, more like uh, two and a half years. But yeah, yes. I was going to say, like, uh, you, you guys have the glacier-like timeline on stuff. but uh, It is absolutely glacial. That's the perfect uh, <laughs> perfect uh, image there. But, it, but it, you know, hey, you can't argue with the results. It, it's, uh, it, you know, like, I think you guys, it, it's very well-conceived, 
and well thought out and articulated. And it's it's always something that uh, for the for the folks is going to catch the attention for it's going it's going to catch the attention. People are going to be there for it. Yeah, it's nothing if not thoughtful, that's for sure. Like, believe me, we've put uh, more than enough thought into these things. You may not like it, but we thought about it a lot. We thought about it a lot, and, uh, you know, this is, this is the end result. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly, yeah. You don't have to enjoy it, but it's, been, it's very thoughtful, yeah. <laughs> yeah give, give, us, give us credit for, you know, being deliberate in every sense of that word. Well, and it's, it's interesting, too, because I think this, this new one uh, – you're kind of exploring some of the similarish territory that you started get it into uh, with the last one with 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 grievances where there like stuff would be a little little more spacious, a little more like John Howell sort of discordance uh, going on, um, mining like unwound and stuff as much as unsane, right? <laughs> like like that, that kind of one hundred percent. And it's it's an interesting progression because you know when I think back to you know Trick Taylor and Jones, where we're just like oh you had this crushing machine of sound <laughs> that was coming at you and now it's now it just seems like it's it the the crushing is still there but it's a little more calculated and is uh, applied in different ways and uh i mean do, was that something you guys thought about i mean you guys think a lot about your stuff <laughs> in that band so yes absolutely i mean ultimately it's uh you know it's john and scott who come up with the vast majority of the material so i feel like i'm speaking on behalf of them i will try and represent them well but but i I feel like the answer to your the question asked is an unqualified yes like this was supposed to be the record that was not going to have any distortion on it at all we were like everything was meant to be clean and clearly we did not cleave to that we gave up on that relatively quickly (laughs) Um, was that like we two realized, days, two minutes? Like what was? Yeah, that? yeah, yeah. <laughs> Twenty minutes in, like we're not this. We're not going to be able to pull this off. No, but those guys wrote all of this stuff thinking that we were going to, you know, not yeah. we were going to be naked. We're not going to be able to hide behind anything, including overdrive gain, distortion, anything like that. Um, you know, it, we were picturing it like a Gillian Welch or, mm. you know, uh, a country record. A Willie Nelson record or something. Okay. Clearly, that is not what the end result sounds like. But that was sort of the creative brief, um, which I think is really cool. And, uh, you know, the fact that we didn't hold to that, I don't think is, uh, you know, there's no inherent value judgment in that. It's just like, we, oh, that's not our lane. Let's figure out what we can do that sort of approximates that, I guess. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, no, and it's funny you mentioned it being like a country record because I mean the the thing I thought of was like low and how they can manage sure. to be like intense and in some cases very heavy, but oftentimes with there not being a lot going on that would signify that. Absolutely, yeah. It's 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 an emotional weight um, with the lyrics and the yeah. the, the production. The the uh, a lot of times it's. Um, uh, what's the thing where you're afraid of enclosed spaces? Gonna be on the screen. Oh, uh, uh, like, hey, uh, 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 you should, you know, make uh, a point. Uh, uh, agoraphobia or acrophobia? Acrophobia yep. heights, right? So, oh, yeah, the uh, yeah, but the other one. Uh, where you don't want uh, agoraphobia. I think. If, if no, I'm that's right. where you want you your fear of open spaces. Oh, you're right. What's the fear? Of, I don't want to be stuck in a small tube or whatever. Uh, claustrophobia. Thank you. Jesus. I feel like a lot of low mixes are claustrophobic, and yes. like yeah, it adds all of the, this extra dimension to stuff that you know and, and then it makes it way heavier than like an emperor record or something <laughs> right or like exactly a Black Breath record. like that shit is truly heavy in a way that metal bands aren't 
Exactly. And so then it's a way to keep that, um, keep that, keep that weight, if you will. Right. Mm-hmm. But, but, but apply it in like in a different direction where it's almost, it's, it has more, the space of like, think of something like Stalker, like the movie Stalker. One of my favorites of all time, yeah. as you well know. As, as I do well know. Yeah. And, and like how there's just these chasms of space. <laughs> <laughs> like in that in that yeah. film, you know, so, yeah. sometimes literally, and uh, it makes for something deeply compelling because for a certain kind of person, it's going to draw that person in. Yeah, and yeah. I mean that that's that's it's it's a great aesthetic. It's certainly something I enjoy. Um, I don't know if anyone's ever gotten platinum records catering to Kona Neutron, but you know. <laughs> Hey, there's first time for everything, right? Uh, right? But it's but it's it is a natural progression. Like it's not like a wild change up in form necessarily. I think there's a no. through line through all of it. There for sure is, and I think you know the the John record starting with Container Ships. I mean, the through line I yeah. feel like is fairly apparent. The guitars get less gainy, the vocals get less screamy. Um, you know, we, we are more deliberate with our use of space. Uh, yeah, in, in every sense of the word, I feel like, and Scott has gotten, uh, improved dramatically as a recordist and mixer over those times. And so he's, um, both the aesthetic vision have become clear and Scott's abilities along the same trajectory have gotten, he's gotten better at being able to convey that stuff sonic to get it across. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and, I mean, and he's, is, yeah, he was no slouch before, but yeah, he's certainly like his, he, <laughs> he's, he's like a 15th level fighter mage now, right? So, right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He started out like 12th level and like yeah. he's accrued some uh, experience points along the way. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so I think that, <laughs> well, and, and when I, I, so I had Scott on, and I had Scott on when you guys did the uh, Tony Jacome thing, the, um, uh, the, the Shallow North Dakota. Yeah. Uh, release or actually it was i think it was like right before that came out uh that was a that, that's a real interesting record and like since then there's um you know that there's there's been other uh there's been other outpourings of creativity uh towards towards that man yeah. um i got scott's take on that uh, can you tell me a little bit from your perspective, like how that all came together? Because again, I'm, I'm assuming I'm not assuming everyone's heard every episode, but you know, it's, right, 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 it's out there. But we tracked a shallow North Dakota cover. Now you might have to go back to the Scott episode and fact check me on this, but it was definitely when Jason Pace was in the band because our 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 original creative brief for Kelly Wild City was it was going to be like equal parts. Uh, Unsane Godflesh and Shallow North Dakota. And of course, like growing up in the heavy music world, I knew Unsane, I knew Godflesh very well, had never even heard of Shallow North Dakota, much less heard them before I met <laughs> right. Scott. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Scott turned me on to them, and I'm like, oh, okay, these like Canadian lunatics uh, have really tapped into something here. And so we tracked that song. We've, we've tracked a couple of covers, but we've, you know, we've released precious few of them. Luckily, I think they haven't all been successful. Uh, but for a while there, every time we recorded an LP, we would also, you know, just as you do uh, to sort of fill something out, you also attempt a cover. And they, I think on balance, have been bad. Uh, but the Shell of North Dakota one turned out great. And, you know, it was our, 
it, you know, it, it was us, uh, I guess, you know, paying our debt to, to a band that was heavily influential to yeah. Callenwald City to that point. And uh, when Tony was diagnosed with cancer, uh, I don't know, you know, Scott was the, the point person behind that, but he reached out uh, to the Shell North Dakota folks and we got the Kenmo people on board. Yep. And we were able to put out that uh, that record with an unreleased Shaw North Dakota song and make some money for Tony and his family. And, you know, I feel really good about that. Um, that he was able to get some of his uh, his laurels while he was still here, I think, uh, yeah. is, you know, uh, really valuable in a lot of ways. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, give, give people their roses while they can still receive them, right? I mean, yes. yeah. Not gonna, I'm trying to do that with my friends in my everyday life now. It's like you see all these um, lovely, touching tributes to people who are gone, um, yep. but they don't get to enjoy them. So tell your friends that stuff now while you still can. Yeah, I, I, I heartily back that. Uh, you know, so you mentioned uh, Mr. Pace, Mr. Jason Pace. I, mm-hmm. You know, it's occurs to me that uh, I don't think I've really talked about Snail Face. Oh man! Not, not okay, much. on either time Scott was on. Could, could and and I'm thinking that it's entirely possible that I did, and I just don't remember because I don't sit around listening to old episodes. But I think Snail Face is like pretty interesting. So, how, what? First of all, Ian, what is Snail Face, and how did they come to pass? Snail Face is the alter ego of Kowloon Walled City, and I don't. Let's see. I remember how the name came about because we, uh, at that point, Calvin Wall City was practicing at Francisco Studios in the Tenderloin at Turk Taylor and Jones. Um, and we were in an, un- literally in an underground, like in the basement level, um, where we would get actual snail infestations in our room because it was so damp. Um, <laughs> you'd see snail trails going along. Yeah. And Jeff, the, our former drummer, was like, what if I just passed out here and woke up with like snails all over my face? And that was literally, that was the genesis of snail face. Stop digging. You've struck gold. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So uh, I think when we finished, it may have been when we finished Richter scale, we're like, Oh, let's just do like a thing where we're a recording project where we blow off steam, mm-hmm. same personnel, uh, but we'll just make it goofy. And so we did the first Snail Face record, which is just like the dumbest stoner rock you can possibly conceive of. So like we came up with the riffs on the spot, wrote the songs on the spot, and then we turned it over to Jason for the lyrics. And he is just a wizard. And he just came up with, well, no, I see, I came up with some of the lyrics because I wrote drug school. Right. Um, <laughs> but it was, it's uh, two, two and three. Snail Face 2 and 3, which are, you know, the next, like, we would we would co- complete a Kowloon record and then do a Snail Face project, you know, one for them and one for us, right? <laughs> 2 and 3 were almost entirely the work of Jason on the lyrical front. So the second Snail Face record was um, a concept album about cryptids. So, you know. As one does, the, yes. The, the skunk apes and the, you know, the, uh, the Sasquatches of the world. And the third one, I, I think we were gonna, we were starting out, and the concept was going to be a concept album about uh, like Timothy Treadwell, mm. the guy from the, uh, the who got killed by the bear or whatever. 
in the uh, the Werner Herzog documentary. Uh, Grizzly Man, that, yeah. Grizzly Man, thank you. <laughs> it ended up just becoming um, a concept album about like camping, and Timothy Treadwell is in there, and also the um, the kid who went to Alaska and ended up starving. Uh, the, oh, the other movie that uh, they made about that kid? The, uh, Into the Wild, I think. Yes, yeah. that sounds right. So anyway, yeah, there's a, an amalgam of those various elements. But essentially, it's a, a concept album about camping, which is, I think, I cannot think of a dumber idea. So <laughs> obviously, Jason is a genius to be able to even come up with it. So. <laughs> I actually got, actually got to see that guy a couple weeks ago. He came oh, to nice. a, a Strange Light show in Seattle. It was lovely to see him. It had been years since I seen him. He's doing great, and it was awesome to catch up. Yeah, I see him exclusively on the internet only, uh, you know, with with a bon mot here and there, and it's like, yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know, I it's nice to see him in corporeal form for <laughs> once. <laughs> Manifested, if you will. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so that's that's a, and I, I do want to get kind of. Oh, I, the, so the reason, so I actually originally wasn't going to talk to you about Snowflakes. I was going to talk about um, talk about Jason Pace. So the the pre pre uh, John Howell Kellen Wall City. I do want to talk about Strange Light. I want to talk about how you have Strange Light and No Lights, and how many other uh, light related bands you're going to be starting before the yeah. end of the show. But uh, <laughs> before we get into that, uh, let's talk about those early Kowloon Mall City because of course is um, the Scott and yourself have been uh, consistent. You know, ostensibly from the beginning, right? Yep. And uh, I believe it was like a Craigslist ad, right? If I remember correctly. That that's mostly right. So uh, Jason and I were playing in a band with Nate Daly. Um, we were called Lord Godbird, and so it was. I guess I would call it like it. It was definitely prog rock of one kind or another. Um, mm-hmm. But those dudes loved Circle, the Finnish band. Um, I'm familiar. Yeah. Yeah. So. I wasn't really hip to circle, but I loved, you know, I, know, I loved like sort of classic European prog. And so I showed up and tried to keep up with those guys, which was tough. And so we did like one recording project, played one show, but Scott ended up recording us. And I had met Scott initially through a Craigslist ad. I can't remember who posted the ad, whether I posted it and he responded or he posted it and I responded, but we both played bass. We had the exact same musical, you know, sort of outlook, uh, influences and everything. We both loved Steve Harris from Iron Maiden, but, you know, we both, you know, sort of uh, progressed in our, like, you know, to where we were, you know, we both loved Godflesh and Unsane and stuff like that. But we both play bass and we're like, oh, clearly this isn't going to work. We're not going to do like a Ned's Atomic Dustbin. Like... I was thinking Enemy Mine, but that works too. Right, yeah. yeah. Uh, Dianoga, one of those bands. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to do that. That's not the kind of thing we're looking to do. So we're like, oh, well, we'll stay in touch. We'll hang out. We'll go to shows. We'll, you know, let's be friends. But obviously this band thing isn't going to work. Uh, fast forward a few months, Scott switched over to guitar, found a drummer in Jeff Fagundis, and he's like, hey, uh, we're starting to write stuff. Do you want to come in and play bass on it? And I was like, yeah, hell yeah. Uh, I didn't really get what Scott was going for at first. Like I didn't have the shallow North Dakota piece. And so I didn't have that frame of reference, which I feel like was critical to pick up what Scott was putting down. Um, so I won't say that I initially like saw his vision. It was very much his vision, very much still is his vision. Uh, but I liked playing with those guys enough and hanging out with them enough that I was like, all right, these guys seem cool. Let's give it a go. And in many ways, I still kind of feel like that. You're still giving it a go? I mean, I don't I don't always see 
the, no, we'll the, see how it works the, out. Yeah. The destination now is clearer in my mind than it was back then. Sure, sure. But like I don't always, I don't always see or hear what Scott sees and hears. But at this point, fifteen years on, I trust the guy. Like I know yeah. he has a very clear vision for what he wants. So when he says, "Don't play that Ted Nugent shit in that part," that's not what we're going for. I'm like, okay, that's cool. <laughs> I will not play you that know? Ted Nugent shit in that part. Yeah, <laughs> yep. He has his vision, and I'm gonna help him execute it to the degree that I can. Well, and it's it it seems very articulated. Just coming coming off the uh, starting blocks, <clears throat> at least in terms of you know just just from the early shows, it was sort of like oh, and and, and at the time I did not know Shell North Dakota at all, but I was like oh mm-hmm. okay, so I I I I, I got what you guys were doing. Of course, you know I at that point had any any band remotely termed noise rock had like played with us at some point in every city in this country. So of course sure. I knew what you were going for, but. Uh, it it did seem fresh though at the time because nobody was doing exactly like that, right. uh, and then I think it was like fall, uh, like fall two thousand eight is when you did that first EP, the Turk Taylor Jones EP, uh, when that when that came out if I got my timeline correctly. Sounds right. And uh, you know it was just it was very much like it's a, a statement of intent. In a lot of ways. Yes, yes, I agree. And and like I said, like um, not not everybody. Not every band is that intentional, but Scott like had yeah. this vision and he, he fucking executed it. Like he's like, yeah, this is, this is what I want to do. And he set out and did it. I'd never been in a band with a guy like that before. It was always like four dudes who showed up and cause it was always dudes, uh, four <laughs> dudes who showed up and would be like, yeah, I don't know. Is this good enough? And we'd be all, we all be like, yeah. And it was just sort of like the bar was very low and all. Uh, who's going to sing. Like, yeah. I guess I will. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the bar was very low. All we wanted to do was hang out and play shows. Um, but Scott was the first person that I've been with where he had this vision and he was just like looking for people to help him realize it. Yeah. And that's like, a, very, a very different relationship creatively. Yeah. And, and, and there has to be a certain degree of trust there as well. And it, it just, but the result from the outside world is it seems like the band springs forth fully formed from the head of Zeus. Right. Right. <laughs> and even in a way, and it was so interesting watching people kind of catch on to that. Cause I think, I think. <laughs> I think you guys kind of took people off guard, and, and and fans now may not understand this. I didn't understand it at the time, but again, if you go off my tastes, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but the, <laughs> but it seems like it, it was off-putting almost uh, for some people, and then people kind of like, oh, okay, okay, oh, oh, okay. You know, right. th- th- there was kind of that uh, familiarization that, that happened with it. And I think part of it was just having, once you had that first EP, like it was easier for people to kind of wrap their head around to a certain degree. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is our manifesto. This is our statement of intent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I totally get that. Yeah. You, you kind of don't know uh, what you're getting until you get it. Yeah. And, and again, we're not talking about me. I'm talking about other people. I got it immediately. For sure. For sure. <laughs> one doesn't know what one is getting. Yeah. <laughs> But you know what? But it's also like there's plenty of bands that are fantastic that just like for whatever reason it doesn't connect with people at the right time or they continue to, to elude or baffle people that are not total freaks, nerds, and weirdos. So right. so it, it was nice to see like a steady progression of people kind of getting on board as you guys sort of finally honed your craft and, and, and move forward. And um, so – which and there was the I remember, I remember at the time too. It was it's a couple years later, right? You you do the uh, the lose lose lose. I'm like, what are they doing? It's a split with multiple bands. Like, how right. does that? And I was trying to like I heard it described to me. I'm like, how will that work? 
Exactly. Right? It's a one and a half, seven inches. Yeah, yeah exactly. And then I was like, and when I saw it, I'm like, oh, okay, okay, I get it. Yeah. Like, but at the time, I was like, what, what, what do they like? Like, I just, I couldn't think of the physics of it. <laughs> yeah, totally. I get it. Um, I'm very, I'm very literal as well, Conan. <laughs> But then, uh, yeah, but that's, you know, Fight Amp and the Ladder Devils, right? And those those all seem, those bands seem like kindred spirits to the kind of thing that Kowloon was purveying at the time. Yeah, yeah. And we're still, we're still homies <laughs> with Fight Amp, in fact. Yeah, going out on tour with Rid of Me, which is a trip. Yeah. Um, some of those same kids from uh, 10 plus years ago now, so. Yeah, in fact, I guess it's be relevant to mention those tour dates, right? Uh, that starting in the 14th at the time of this recording. Um uh, is that right? The, the first one's 14th? That's the first one that's on your band camp. That sounds right, yeah. Uh, the first show is in Pittsburgh. In Pittsburgh, time, so. Mr. Roboto. Uh, yeah. Blastrickle Brewing, the 15th. Indie. Beat Kitchen, Chicago. Sanctuary. Hamtramck. Not Detroit, Hamtramck. Uh, Mohawk Place, Buffalo, New York. Uh, Brighton Oaks Lodge. Right? Last minute event. Last minute venue change. Yeah. Last no minute venue change. St. <laughs> uh, uh, Vitus. April 20th, uh, Brooklyn. Uh, two nights, one of them is going to be container ships? We're doing container ships in its entirety on 420, bro. That's, wow. <laughs> all the bongs. That's going to be yeah, all don't the bongs think, on like, that one. I just think we're a funny band to play Vitus on 420. Like, shouldn't they have gotten, I don't know, Bison or Connoisseur or one of those right. like, <laughs> bands? Well, but it's more 311, I don't know. Uh, Bongzilla, why not? Let's Bongzilla, go crazy. Yes. <laughs> uh, and then uh, Philadelphia, uh, Silk City Diner Bar and Lounge. Is that right? Uh, yeah. Autobar. God, I Hell yes, and Balmer. Have not been to Autobar in many years. Love uh, that spot. And of course, Comet Ping Pong in uh, DC yeah. on, the, on April 24th. So, and that's, so again, uh, there's you can find that on the internet. Song kick? Is that what people what do people use to find shit? It can't be Facebook events. There's no possible way. Like, Definitely not Facebook events. I feel like <laughs> I don't know. I I'm only one person, but I just end up going to Instagram for everything yeah. like this. And all of those are on our Instagram. So Right. And I'm getting that out there now because I will doubtlessly forget about it and then like kick myself like an hour out. Oh I forgot to make tour dates. So that's why I mentioned those yeah. now. Uh so anyway, let's let, so so cool. So yeah, if you if you are uh if you are a fan, doubtlessly you probably know about these dates already. But if you do not, go out to these dates uh, and bring all the bongs to the 420 show. Apparently, <laughs> yeah, you want to bring ones for friends. Yeah, maybe they forgot their bong right. at home. Right. Yeah, exactly. Just, uh, anyway, that's enough bong-related humor. Uh, so you got the, the the triple split with those guys, and then yeah, all these years later, doing shows with Rid of Me. Um, yeah. Did you have an idea at that point? Uh, well, there's always there's also the the more traditional. It was uh, um, what was the band? Uh, uh, but uh, Batalius. Batilus. Batilus. Yeah, we did a split. Uh, Anthem and Lava. Uh, a split where we traded vocalists. That was super fun. Yes, that's right. That's right. I remember there was like a funny conceit to it, but some of this stuff yeah. it's like I, I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah. So fade is fade is on our version of Anthem, and Scott is on Batilus's version of Lava. Right. Uh, I still, I still love that. I think that's some of the coolest stuff we we've done. Like some of the coolest stuff we've done is thrown away on these weird little records that nobody's ever heard. Like we've been revisiting Commuter, that song. Uh, it's one of the songs on the Lose 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 record. I think it's one of the best things, probably the best song we ever did with Jason. Yeah. Um, and very few people have heard it because it's on a three-way split that a lot of people, you know, had limited production and a lot of people just haven't heard. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and apologies because and sometimes I'm bad with song titles, but we have a song called "The Commuter" on the new one. And I was like, "Oh, right, I forgot they have one." But it's okay. It's there it can be more. Luckily, fun. nobody knows about our version, so <laughs> well, no, very, no. very little danger of uh, confusion there. Nobody knows about ours either. Don't worry about that. Oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but getting getting down getting down to it. So yeah. So but I, I, the reason I brought and I brought it up with Scott as well because I think those are interesting releases, and I, I think the idea of the the singer like changing singers out that's. Interest. I don't think I've actually ever seen a band do that before. I can't think of one. I mean, I'm sure there are punk bands who have done yeah. this over the years. Um, guaranteed that I even have some in my collection. I just, none, none are springing to mind for me either. And I can't even remember wh- how or why we did that, but I'm thrilled. Like, it was just very cool to have Fade sing that thing because he is a distinctive vocalist. I love his singing. I love Batillus, the band, uh, you know, in, in, in at any rate. Um, but that just came out so cool. I love it. People, if they haven't heard it, at least go listen to the Batilla side. It's great. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 worth checking out. I've got it in my in my seven inch my seven inch box that I don't really play that often. But yeah, who does? <laughs> you can find you can find them. I think that those two songs or that one song is on our Bandcamp. I was gonna say find them on the internet where everything lives. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Uh, so then there's a the, the, so but there's a run up of these releases to Gambling on the Richter Scale. Right. So, so can you can you tell me what was going on with the band at that time, and uh, like how what was in your head? Good, good question. Scott's initial again. This was his vision. He had this all mapped out in his head. Apparently, he wanted to be one of those bands like Godflesh, like Unsane, that literally did not evolve. You know, Unsane has done one thing <laughs> for thirty years. <laughs> love it or hate it yeah it's the thing (laughs) they got like they got like the they got the fast song they got the slow song they got the medium song they're essentially all the same song yeah love them great fucking band absolute godhead for heavy music in this Mm -hmm. country that is not meant as a slight um and scott wanted to be that but i think you know he realized very early on that that wasn't going to happen he the strictures that he'd set up for himself were in fact too strict. I think so. He found himself pushing against those, or you know, coming up against those. Um, and so I think you know, while you, you said there is a through line, I think you're right about that. Through all of our releases, mm-hmm. um, there's certainly a through line between Turk and Richter Scale. But we, you know, there's all kinds of frills on Richter, Richter Scale songs that you will not find. Uh, on Turk, like, you know, Jason's playing like cool melodic leady stuff. And, you know, we're all sort of exploring the studio space a little bit more. Um, But honestly, that was against all of our uh, best interest. I mean, not against our best interest. That was all against all of our best intentions because we were not trying to evolve. We were trying to stay the same. And despite our best efforts, we could not do that, apparently. (laughs) Evolution strikes. It just happens, man. Yeah, exactly. Well, but but it's also, I mean, but, but I mean, let's be clear. It's not like it's Steely Dan or something. We're going nuts oh, with the no. overdubs, right? I mean, like. <laughs> I was not hiding behind the gobos, like slapping on the choruses like Chuck Rainey. Believe me, that did not happen. Despite like, what the internet will tell you, I was not doing that. Yeah, the, the internet is wrong in this case. Uh, but yeah, but, but but there did, it, it, it was a progression forward, right? Whereas, yes. it, it, like, not sacrificing any of the intensity, but also it seemed more like, well, it could be more than just like the band playing in a room 
kind of vibe. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I mean, some of my right. records are like that, but but it's as a record, it, it starts yeah. kind of like uh, that feel. Yeah, there there were accoutrements. There were you know uh, filigrees and shit on there um, where there weren't any on the first record. Right. And it's still what like Scott really did record us. Uh, it, uh, both both of the first two records were recorded in the rehearsal space uh, as a band. You know there were fixes and overdubs and stuff, but that is the sound of four guys playing in a yeah. shitty rehearsal space in San Francisco. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Which is uh, yeah. For for those that, that ever well, I don't know. I don't know if it's like that now, but at the time, especially, it was sort of like, oh yeah, you you have to just watch yourself while you're if, if you're going outside, like, you know, oh yeah, no 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 shade, but just be very aware. Don't, maybe if you have a drunk friend, don't let them wander around alone. You know, <laughs> amen to that. And and yeah, uh, the, the the TL is still is still like that. While while all the rest of San Francisco is getting gentrified, I think like Turk just that side of Market Street still pretty sketchy. <laughs> Turk Street still survives. <laughs> there's, a, there's, there's a little bit something beautiful in that, actually, in its way. I love it. And so, I, Conan, like, I always used to say, like, you know, if you think San Francisco is getting gentrified, go to the Walgreens at 16th and Mission, oh and you will get a taste of what real San Francisco is like. There's always insane shit. So that Walgreens finally closed down. It's gone. Whoa. Yeah, I, I know. I never thought I'd see the day. institution. Yeah. There was always like a guy in a wheelchair yelling at somebody and somebody stealing something. Oh, yeah. Enemies real like and imagined. nodding out. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. I mean, I used to call it the rich pageantry of humanity, like on display. Oh, my because- God. Yeah, yeah, but that specific Walgreens is now gone. So if you need a real slice of uh, uh, of unreconstructed San Francisco, yeah, just go to Turk and Taylor at any point time of day. Like it made sense that all the generator shows happened there and stuff too. Because like, well, they don't care about anything else that's happening. Why should they care yeah. about this? Yeah. <laughs> It's the least of the cops' worries. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, what, there's people playing music. I don't care about that at all. <laughs> there's multiple they're not actively trying to kill each other? No yeah. problem. These guys are trying to literally skin each other alive. That dude is shooting up over there. This person over here is on a, having another plane of existence screaming at someone. I mean, like, yeah. yeah anyway, crazy. Uh, so, yeah, so gambling on the Richter scale. So, Wrecker comes out. Uh, you know, the legend grows, uh, if you will. Uh, what, you know, what, did you feel like that record represented the band well at the time? I do. I mean, I think that was the, yeah, we, we sort of actualized the vision again. Um, we actualized, you know, Scott's vision with input from all of us, certainly. Yeah. Um, but again, I think it was mostly like he was, he was defining uh, what we're doing and where we're going. And then, you know, real life happened and, and Jason moved to, to Seattle. So luckily, uh, there was a band called Tygon at the time and, you know, who, yep. who uh, were, I don't, man, I still like, they sort of defy categorization or even description. Like, I, I guess I could call them math rock, but that really, you know, you're going to get the wrong idea when I say that. These are not dudes in cardigans, like two hand tapping. Like, <laughs> it was like... <laughs> People playing in time signatures that should not exist. Yeah. Um, and, and so John Howell was the lead guitar, uh, one of the guitar players in the creative force behind Tygon. And luckily, you know, uh, Scott asked him to join Kelly and he said yes. And and we've done three more records with John. And it's uh, it's the same band, but a different band entirely, I guess. Yeah, it, it wasn't like... 
you know, you, you bring in someone and then like the genre changes or anything along right. those lines, right? But but he definitely brought his own sensibility to it, which was different than than Jason's, and and yeah, uh, you know, that's it seemed to fit nicely with where the band was kind of going anyway, like almost serendipitously. Yeah, no, I totally agree um, because it's it's sort of like John's. Um, John is man. So I played in a bunch of bands with John by this point. So we played in Less Art together, and that was sort of like. Um, and and now John has a brand new band called X X Everything. Is that what yeah, they're called? Yeah, X, yeah, 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 yeah. So I heard I I sat in on their session a couple weeks ago when they were recording some demos, and oh my god, that stuff is so good! I cannot wait for that stuff to come out. But John is just like, John is completely unhinged as a as a songwriter and guitar player. And what you're hearing on Container Ships and the other Kowloon records on which John plays, that is John filtered through like eight layers of Scott. So Scott, <laughs> Scott takes the, but, I mean, John doesn't always originate the thing. Yeah. But for the things that John has originated, Scott has divided them by 64. He has simplified it, you know, by a factor of eight or whatever. Yeah. And said, John, what if you only played that like once instead of seventy-two times? Or what if you <laughs> what if you played one thirty-second of those notes? Like Scott will just break it down and break it down and break it down. And so it's so that's why I say it's like you know filtered through several layers of Scott. Um, and so that crazy you know the beginning of the uh, pressure keeps me alive. Mm-hmm. Like I'm sure I, I can't remember what the initial John riff would have sounded like, but it would have been you know four times as fast and eight times as, as dense. Right. And so over time, you know, those guys have sort of, you know, met each other, have convened. Um, and John knows what Scott's looking for. And Scott, I think is probably a little more open to what John is bringing. And so it's more of like a, a meeting of the minds now, but yeah, John still, I think when you hear the X everything stuff, you'd be like, that is unadulterated. Is, <laughs> yeah. Unadulterated. And John is the only guitar player in that band. So he's playing sort of lead and rhythm at the same time. And that's that's what his brain is probably like. Right. Um, but yeah, the stuff that, that you hear with Kowloon that is, uh, uh, yeah, highly adulterated. <laughs> you could use that as a pull quote, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, it reminds Perfect. me, I had Aaron Beam from Red Fang on uh, for two-parter, mm-hmm. and he was talking about how, you know, Brian Giles, who uh, you know is, is a total riff machine, not surprising to anyone who ever heard Last of the Juanitas, who I and at least four other people adored. <laughs> yes. Uh, but, like, he would bring in these, like, crazy riffs and songs, and they'd be like, yes. that's great. Why don't you only play the first five notes of that? Straight up. It's the same <laughs> dynamic. Absolutely the same dynamic. Yeah. Because Red Fang ultimately is just, like, party metal, right? Yeah. You just want to, like, you, you just want to just want to drink and get down to that stuff. And if you're playing in, like, 11-9, I can't bang my head and hoist a beer to that, dude. Come on. Yeah, yeah. I did. Nobody, nobody parties with weird time signatures. You get the abacus out and, and calculate. No, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not dividing by zero. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's, but it's interesting to hear that uh, hear that deployed in, in, in a different manner. But almost yeah. for, I mean, similar-ish effects. Obviously, Kowloon, Wall City, and Red Fang are never going to be mistaken for, for each other. But, right. uh, but I, I, this, I think that's fascinating because both guitarists come from a, 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 you know a world where like they're just got these incredibly complicated things that they're going out but it's like oh but there's so much good stuff there there's like enough stuff for like four songs in that riff you have for one song precisely that's john 
And, and when you think of like bands that have no riffs whatsoever, you almost wish you could like you know like send send some over. Like, hey, we're not using these riffs. Go ahead and use use those. <laughs> I'm picturing like a I don't know, like UNICEF or something <laughs> for like. You could be will for riffs. You could be airdropping riffs into riff impoverished areas. Wow. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's set up a UNESCO uh, riff sharing. So, John Howe can provide riffs to all these poor, poorer areas that just you know his riffs could yeah his riffs could power you know uh, uh, small small countries in Eurasia. <laughs> None of that material was prepared, by the way. That's all off the no. cuff. So that, that's what you get with Protonic Reversal is uh, unadulterated as opposed to adulterated uh, riffage. So, okay, yeah, 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 but enough nonsense. So you got you got him in, right, and he's and, and he's killing it. Changed dynamic a little bit. Um, it didn't seem – I mean, stuff with Jason, obviously, it seemed like that was fine, like with, with Jason. Oh, yeah, he moved. Really, like we still, we still hang, uh, obviously. Yeah. Just that he was moving away to pursue an actual career and uh, <laughs> couldn't do that in the band. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, still love him to death. And should there be another snail face, uh, you know, Jason will absolutely be involved. Yeah, I mean, why not? <laughs> I mean, it's funny because to me, snail face seems like the ultimate sort of COVID style record way before covid right oh yeah it would be it would be for sure <laughs> like when it was like they made a record about cryptids yeah. <laughs> i was like wow that's some 2021 shit if i ever heard of it right? I, I was like that's a lot for me <laughs> <laughs> but holy man like res- yeah. i salute that one there's respect <laughs> yeah we had to we had to go real deep because you know we had like eight or nine songs and i didn't yeah. even know that there were eight or nine various you know crypto cryptids so yeah now people would think you're talking about cryptocurrency which is a shame right nfts board board sasquatches and such (laughs) right you can make the nft nfts of the creatures depicted in the album (laughs) cut this part out we can't let anybody hear this he's gonna say keep that one for yourself (laughs) so uh so talk talk about less art if you will because i think that's an interesting that's an interesting band um and like I feel like it was. I feel like everybody knew about it, and then like everyone forgot about it uh, a little. I mean, bit. that's that's reasonable. I think that's fair. So uh, Riley Breckenridge, who plays drums in Thrice, right. and I used to have a podcast. Uh, we had a podcast called Productive Out. Yes. It was baseball themed, and the conceit of the podcast, and we had a Twitter account. Still do theoretically have a Twitter account. The conceit was: here's two heavy music guys, but we also really love baseball. Really like baseball, like 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 yeah. it's an in-depth show. It, it's a yeah, show. Like, it's it's yeah. Riley played at a very high level. He played up and through college. Uh, I never played at any high level, but was just you know I was like stat nerd guy and yeah. stuff, uh, and really loved the game. At one point, uh, Yasiel Puig, who was a Cuban phenom, defected to the U.S. Mm-hmm. And Riley on one of our shows made a joke about ha ha ha. Wouldn't it be funny if there were something like a Puig destroyer? You know, so which, like, which destroyer. Is, like the band Pig Destroyer for those. That, right. I mean, the audience of this show probably gets it, but on the off chance that maybe they don't, there is a band called Pig Destroyer that adds an ethos and they have right. a sound and they have a thing. It's instantly recognizable and yeah. they're called Pig Destroyer. Right. And so Riley said, ha, 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 Puig Destroyer, and I laughed, and we finished the show. And then, like, 45 minutes after the show wrapped, I called them, and I was like, yo, we have to do this. We have to do Puig Destroyer. 
And so within seven days from that incident, we wrote and recorded uh, a seven, an EP of like eight songs, grindcore songs about baseballs, about eight minutes long. We recorded it and put it up on Bandcamp. So it was Riley like programmed the drums because no human being could play that fast. <laughs> I wrote all the songs on bass. We drafted John from Kellenwald City to play yeah. guitar. And we got Mike Minnick, who had been in Curl Up and Die and was out of a job at that point, um, to help write the lyrics and sing. So we did all that. Like, it literally like, was seven days from idea to execution. Uh, and I probably, that's probably the thing I am most proud of in my entire musical career. Not that it's good, but that we did it. <laughs> that you did it and with such an inc- at a high level. But with such I an mean, incredible whatever. Turnaround. We committed to the bit. That's what's important. Yeah, exactly. The turnaround time, so it was still like in the zeitgeist. Yes. Yeah. What was and the so, thing that blew my mind? I was like, whoa, how did they, what? Yeah. So, you know, we got. Because I was just like, haha, that's funny. You know, pig destroyer. And, and then I was like, oh, wait, no, the, whoa, 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 what, what, what? Like, yeah. it was like multi layers that an onion to unpeel of, of all the. Yeah. yeah. So it was, it was a little zeitgeisty. And so we got, you know, we would get featured on ESPN and uh, on like MLB.tv or whatever. Yeah. There's footage of Yasiel Puig at the uh, MLB offices, like someone, and someone plays it for him, plays the song for him. And he's like, yes, this is good. You can clearly, th- you know, uh, it's very clear that he doesn't like it, but he's yes, <laughs> just trying, trying to keep the public image. He doesn't yeah. care, exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, and so we ended up doing another EP and an album after that, and it was super fun. And then, I don't know, how many songs, how many grindcore songs can you write about baseball? Like 30? You tell me, yeah. <laughs> Not any more than 30. I've written zero. Is the upper so... limit, dude. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right, 30 sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So we did that. It was really, really, really fun. And... I, I thought it was quite like not the necessarily the first EP, but like the album that we did. Mm-hmm. We actually put it out on No Sleep Records. It sold well, uh, and I thought the music was really good. And I, you know, I wanted more than anything else. My impulse for making Puig Destroyer a real band was to see Mike Minnick perform again because there was no at that point there was no prospect of Curl Up and Die reforming. They would eventually reform and are currently playing and are fucking great. Uh, I got to see them a couple months ago in L.A. and they were absolutely incredible. But uh, I wanted to see Mike front a band. Uh, Ed Breckenridge, uh, Riley's brother, who plays bass in Thrice, was like, ooh, I'll play guitar if you guys do another thing. Uh, so we got we drafted Ed and then we had the same lineup and we did uh, a full length that came out on Gilead Media, I don't know, five years ago now. And we yeah. do have more than an entire LP stuff uh, worth of material written. Not sure if it'll ever get recorded or released, uh, but, you know, I'm still, we still talk about it occasionally. Right. So I don't know. I would love for that stuff to see the light of day. I don't know if it'll ever happen. As long as you don't go over that 30 limit. Yeah, no more songs about baseball. (laughs) None of the less hard songs are about baseball. (laughs) Well, and so, yeah, I mean, you know, hey, like, and and like I said, like that was the – the whole uh, Pink Destroyer thing was amazing because it was very much of the uh, – of I, like, I didn't even know how to say the guy's name. I apparently still don't. How do you say it? I think it's Puig. Puig. Like P-W-E-E-G yeah. is sort of the Puig pronunciation. Destroyer. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I see I had seen it written, so I immediately got it. You know, I was like, oh, that's yeah. that's great. That, that That's awesome. Um, But, yeah, so, so tell – so – so less art was the idea ever to kind of do it as a, as a band band, uh, you know, or 
Yeah, I mean, we did do a short tour. We did like a, a 10 day or two week run um, uh, along the East Coast back then. Uh, the, I guess the, un- I don't want to call it unfortunate because it's not unfortunate, it's fortunate. Um, but the thing that has, uh, you know, thrice reforming yeah. and Got getting, busy. Really, yeah. getting really big, <laughs> getting really busy, um, and really against all odds, sort of. Um, becoming super popular again and doing a couple of really great records yeah that's worked against um, you know less art uh, right. <laughs> becoming a real thing and god bless those guys like that is their livelihood yeah obviously that is their number one priority this is how people pay rent and feed families and stuff um and i love thrice uh but i think those guys ultimately are just too busy with with that stuff to to think about this and, and like i said mike is back doing curl up and die so and John has a kid now, or we'll have we'll have a kid very shortly, yeah. and a new band, and so who knows? It's a, yeah, I mean, it's, it's it sounds like it's like a never say never situation, but probably not a front burner. Kind of yes, activity. that is yeah. that is a very accurate description. Let's do that. Uh, this is going to be one of the, the, the most wild change ups in a while, but uh, I still remember you playing in Truxton, man. <gasps> Holy shit! Yes, um, man, I still talk to Hansi and Jeremy. Obviously, and Ben, yeah. uh, ben, ben did time in Truxton as well. Uh, <laughs> still count, Doing but, time in Truxton. <laughs> yeah, saw Ben a couple. I saw Ben when I saw Curl Up and Die a couple months ago. Nice. We were down there for uh, the Decibel Metal and Beer Fest, and I got to see Ben and Claudia, and that was great. Awesome. And yeah, Truxton was super fun. I I loved Truxton before I joined Truxton. I yeah. think that Hansi is an incredibly talented songwriter, singer. Love that dude's music. Mm-hmm. Uh, loved playing with Jeremy. Loved being in that band. We just couldn't. Um, yeah, I don't know. Just couldn't. Couldn't get. Uh, couldn't get the 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 market's attention. I guess for whatever reason. It, it wasn't. I mean, it wasn't for quality's sake. You know, it was fantastic. But for whatever reason, I, yeah, I mean, that that time in the Bay Area just it wasn't looking for a band like that. I don't know. I, I can't quite justify it myself. Really. I, yeah, I mean, I still think yeah, Hansi's still one of my favorite singers. I yeah. love that dude. I love the songs. I love the music that we that we did. It's just, I don't know. If you're not, it's what's the best way to say this? If you stay in a narrow genre, it is somewhat easy to get some currency to get some visibility. Yeah. Like if you play hardcore, if you play metal, if you play noise rock, yeah. you can you can guarantee yourself of selling. X number of copies and, you know, X have Y number of people show up to all of your shows in cities across the country. Yeah. Potentially sustainably. Yeah. You know, yeah. Potentially sustainably. If you're playing get ahead of, of ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you're playing sort of like melodic rock and roll, there is no built in infrastructure to support that. It's like you're competing against Foo Fighters or whomever. Right. How do you even break in it? Like you can't unless you're Dave Grohl or I don't know, get management behind you or something. How do you even crack that? Yeah, there's there's there needs to be some additional hook to bring in people because there isn't that sub genre, that subculture um, of dedicated yeah. people that will seek it out and like tell all their friends about it. And yeah, man, it's a shame because I because I, 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 I remember at the time of like all the bands are around. I'm like, whoa, you know, Truxton's the one that like. Hey, Live 105 pays attention. You never know. And most of the time it's like, yeah. come on, that's no. But that band right. is like, well, hmm. <laughs> I, I, I could have seen it, man. Yeah, we could have we could have been they could have been third eye blind, right? Like Yeah, 
I mean, I don't think there's that much difference. I mean, the the the, the songs are way better, frankly. <laughs> Fair enough. Which doesn't always mean they're going to be more popular, but they were better. Not at all. In fact, it can be also quite the opposite. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I, I wanted I wanted to throw that out there because it's first of all, it's been a while since I've even like listened to Truxton, but uh, that's oh goodness, that's yeah. still a regular listen for me. I mean, those, that's a that's a good band. That's a good band. Um, I saw strong t- agree. Uh, Teen Archer, too. Yeah, that was a, a, a thing that we were doing for a while and that Scott, that was one of the first things that Scott recorded out here. Scott showed up with his uh, his ThinkPad laptop and uh, a, a, like an eight channel RME interface in this room that I'm sitting in right now and recorded me and Lisa doing a bunch of songs here as Teen Archer. So that was me playing baritone guitar and singing and Lisa playing drums. That was super fun. I, I wish she still played drums. She's a great drummer. I agree, yeah. Super interesting, no, like... Uh, maybe not technically like super awesome, but always came up with really, really cool, interesting parts. Yeah. I mean, definitely uh, a musician, a musician's drummer. I don't know what that means. Never mind. Yeah. As he came in from a, a point of like, uh, you know, playing piano first and like, mm-hmm. and then like learning drums. I want to learn to play drums. Okay. And then of course she was great at it, you know, Very <laughs> so, yeah. coming out from that perspective. Uh, okay. So, the, the, all the people that only tuned in for Colin Wall Cities, their attention spans are, are certainly waning at this point, I'm sure. Uh, but, you know, it's all part of the tapestry, my guys. It's all part of the tapestry. So we, so we were on container ships, right? We were talking about container ships and then grievances. Grievances mm-hmm. comes in, which to me, like... Uh, at the time, I was like, oh, this is my favorite Colin Wall City record. I don't know, I'd have to, like, sit down and think about it, which I don't do very much. Uh, now, but like it's that that was like to me. Now that I've seen uh, what you've done after it, it's like oh, this is almost like a joiner record between the two eras. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that that's in fact how I think about it. Um, yeah, so as much as Scott, um, as much as Scott didn't want to evolve, um, we continue to evolve in spite of ourselves. But it, it it's sort of it's you know. It's it's like a Darwinian scale of evolution. It's like very 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 slow. It's over it's over eons. It's very slow. Um, and I think yeah, I think the through line there between container ships and piecework now is is very obvious. With grievances being that joiner record, it's you can hear yeah. you can hear what's coming. Um, and I think I think in on every record that we've done to date, it's sort of like. Um, we get closer to whatever the platonic ideal of what Calhoun Wall City is. And I think uh, we continue to do that. Yeah. And it's, it all sounds very much you guys too. Like there's never a moment where we're like, Oh, that sounds like this band. It always sounds mm-hmm. like, Oh no, that sounds like Calhoun Wall City. Right. You know? Yeah. For better, or for worse. Like I, I think, um, I, I don't know. I've encountered bands like, that in my life and i'm like oh i don't have any frame of reference for this therefore i don't get it right yeah absolutely Uh, i just can't find a way in and and that might be what this band is like for some folks and that's just the reality of it um luckily there are enough people out there who seem to appreciate it that it makes it worthwhile for us to keep doing it yeah i mean i think i think back to somebody asked like chuck berry what kind of music he played and he said i play chuck berry music there you go. So you guys are playing Calhoun Wall City music. <laughs> That's as good a description as any. <laughs> yeah, I was like, ah, Chuck Berry. 
<laughs> we played Chuck Berry music also. Yeah, yeah. No, that's, a, that, that, that's a side project, but yeah, that, that's an unrealized one. <laughs> uh, so, so between, let me, I don't have the, so after grievances, that's Nothing no, happened for a really long time, and that, then we put out Beastwork. This one, but you were still busy. No Lights, if I remember right, I think was around that time, right? Yeah, No Lights has put out a couple of things. We put out uh, an eight song, I want to say, cassette, and then two two EPs. Yeah. So um, let's see, I'm trying to come up with the timeline for all this. Yeah. At some point, uh, at some point, Jeff, the original Kowloon drummer, moved to the Central Valley, back where he was from. He has people down there, parents to you know, aging parents to care for. So he went back to Fresno. We were lucky enough to get Dan Snedden, who had played in Early Graves, um, right. to join. We had to teach him how to not play fast. It's a, a lesson, <laughs> a challenge that was is still ongoing. No, Dan is one of the most amazing drummers I've ever played with. He's like a human metronome. He's incredible. But like, he was real. like, he, he's like, we asked him multiple times to join the band. He's like, no, I don't want to play. I, I don't want to and cannot play slow. Turns out that's not the case. I mean, he's very, he's very good at playing slowly. Yeah, yeah. Res- respect for kind of knowing that boundary, I guess. But yeah, yeah. It turned turned out okay. You know. Yeah, but yeah, I can't imagine like uh, a, a more different band from Calumwell City than Early Graves. Just fast yeah. and loose, yeah. spazzy, uh, and we are slow and deliberate and regimented. <laughs> regimented so, is a great descriptor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we got, we got Dan in there and uh, Dan's been in the band for like five years, I feel like at least. Um, so it was pretty shortly after grievances came out that Dan joined up at some point. Dan was like, Hey, do you want to play in a new band with Matt from early graves? Matt was the bass player from EG. Uh, he is writing cool new songs in the vein of, uh, the Stooges and the Cult and stuff yeah. like that. I'm like, oh well, hell yeah, I want to play yeah, in a band that sounds, that sounds okay. like that with <laughs> yeah. you drumming. Yeah, that sounds all right. Yeah, where do I <laughs> sign up? So we've done a bunch of stuff. We've done, um, like I said, the the two seven inch, the two EPs, the tape, and we are now working toward a full length, which we will track uh, next month or the following month. So I think Matt, um, the stuff really no longer sounds like the Cult and the Stooges. It's more um, I don't know. Matt calls it death rock. To me, it's not strictly death rock because I think of uh, Christian death and stuff like that when I think of death That's rock. the first band I like think of, too. Yeah. Right, of course. Of course it is. Yeah. 45 Grave, yeah, maybe, more like that. But, like, there's this, um, there's, like, a gothy post-punk thing happening in the sensibility that I really, really like. I think Matt is a weird and really gifted songwriter and lyricist. And I'm really, really excited about the full length that's coming. Nice. Yeah, yeah, that's it, – it, it struck me – it was a very unique kind of sound, especially I – I feel like maybe there are some more bands mining that territory now, but, like, when mm-hmm. – it was sort of like a an in-betweener time for uh, something that has, like, a little bit of, like, darkness that way but isn't full-on release the bats, you know? Right. <laughs> right. If this were another, like, by-the-numbers Joy Division thing, I would not be – on board um yeah. we, the, the, we we've evolved past the need for joy division i think at this point <laughs> we, the, the original one was enough we don't need 17 like mini joy divisions yeah, certainly yeah. Exactly. uh and so while this is i think this isn't a, a a world away from that it's 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 a uh, more sort of just post-punk in general than factory records uh new order joy division worship 
Yeah, but it's, I mean, like, not to say that it's you know unoriginal or anything, but it definitely like, if you like those those acts and you know like that that aesthetic, whether whatever subgenre in the record store <laughs> that they put it in, you know, then like I think it's it's something that would be of, of note. It would be something that uh, people would like. For sure. Uh, so okay, and then when does Strange Light uh, start spinning up? That's a strange light was it was definitely pre-pandemic so we've probably been a band for like three years we've done a full length and a four song ep more recently that just came out i think in december pretty pretty the recent yeah. yeah it feels pretty recent i don't know yeah i think it was i think it was i guess december. it's april just... it's not that yeah it's not that recent but whatever right it's still, yeah that's uh during the pandemic time has lost all meaning so who, who really knows Yes. So anyway, uh, Julia Lancer, I think Julia was the drummer in Kowloon post-Jeff, but pre-Dan. So she was yes. in the band for about a year, and then she moved to the to Michigan to go pursue her coffee career. She moved back to the Bay, and like 12 years ago or something, she had played in a band with Nat Coglin from Transistor Transistor and Trapped Them, and they were called... Uh, uh, they were called Strange Late, I think, at the time, but sort of that, that never took off. Uh, Nat moved from the East Coast to Oakland 12 or so years ago. They spun that thing back up with the idea of, you know, uh, resurrecting those songs and writing some new stuff. Julia asked me to come in, and then we drafted Tony Teixeira uh, from, God, Tony's in a bunch of bands and has been in a million bands. He's in, uh, was in Cobra Skulls, currently in Swing and Utters, was in Western Addiction, a bunch, like, he's a, he's one of those band dudes. Um, I love playing in that band. I love playing with Julia. I love playing with, like, Nat and Tony are two very weird and interesting guitar players to play with. I love Nat's material. It's so fun to be in a van and in a band with those guys. Uh, we just, like, practice is, like, 30 minutes of playing songs and then 45 minutes of Simpsons, Simpsons riffs. Like <laughs> it's the ultimate, like, like, sure. Yeah. Band. Like who wouldn't want to be in that band? I love it. Yeah. And, and you just, you just did some dates like very recently. Yeah. Band, we right? we did like a little, a little mini run. We played a show, uh, a show here in Oakland. Then we did, I think grass Valley, Portland and Seattle. We got to play bar house in Seattle, which is Ben Varela's spot yeah, up there. Yeah. Yeah. I love that place so much. Uh, definitely, like, instantly etched in the list of my favorite venues in the States. The staff there are amazing. The space rules. The shows have, I guess, like a hard stop uh, uh, curfew at 10 p.m., which for my old ass is perfect. <laughs> yeah, that's and a feature, not a bug. <laughs> the rules, dude. Like, give me an early show every night of the week. I'm and just, the night that we played Seattle... Helms and Lee were playing like a few blocks down the street. So a lot of people did come out to pregame at our show and then went to the Helms and Lee show, which was That's fantastic. It was, it was awesome. That's um, great. Yeah, I, I, I've never been, but I'm, I'm excited to go. We, uh, we had, we had dates in Seattle in March of 2020, but I think a thing happened and we weren't able to do that. Um, so, but yeah, I, yeah. I've been when, when he was on this show, classic episode uh he talked about it at length and i i i guess i could have been more excited at the time but i was like wow now i'm now i'm even like another level of excited to see this this place so yeah it's super cool and uh, irrespective of the music stuff the decor of the bar is it's insane it's crazy off the hook yes yeah. like it's i don't think you bonkers. need to care about 
literally any of the things we just talked about to be like, this place is off the chain. This is crazy. Absolutely. Go hang out there. It's right by the big, uh, Mark, uh, uh, Lennon statue in Fremont. Like you can take it all in in one night. It's great. I think I I saw that on, on, on the old Instagram. If I remember. It's fantastic. Yes. Uh, so that brings, Oh, so there's one more thing I want to get. So, uh, Ian, I I think what I want to do, if you're, if you're good with it is that when we'll go through the new record, just kind of song by song, Sure. Uh, and you can kind of give me remembrance, remembrances. Sure, sure, that works. Wow, uh, you know, and, and some work in there somewhere. I knew what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. <laughs> Believe it. Yeah, show two eighty nine. Eight years this month, people. Yeah, eight years this month, and here I am making up new lexicon. Uh, all the time. It's what I do. That's it. I'm, I'm, defi- I'm defining new words. Webster's take note. Uh, so, but we'll go through piecework, which is, is still uh, pretty, I mean, this is December, October, October, something like that. Yeah. It was, it was late, late, uh, 21 for sure. I had time to throw it on my top 21 of 2021. Too kind, too kind, sir. I don't don't remember where it was, but the numbers are completely arbitrary. So, (laughs) (laughs) uh, yeah, I remember it was like fallish. Yeah. October, October. You're right. You're right. I don't know why I felt need to fact check you, but. I also need to pull up the song title, so. Uh, Just killing time, folks. <laughs> There's a shocking amount of, of, of candor uh, I, I can give you is that there's a shocking amount of bits that evolved from me just being like uh, frantically trying to pull something up and just saying whatever's deep-rooted in my subconscious, and then every once in a while you hit gold. There you go. Uh, so we'll just go through each of the songs and you can just like say something about you know, the recording process, the writing process, um, you know, if there's anything interesting about it, whatever springs to mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course this is for Piecework, the last record by, uh, not the last record, the most recent record by Calvin <laughs> Might be the last record. I mean, who, who, who knows how much know. time we have left? I don't know, but. <laughs> we could all die in a nuclear conflagration at any minute. You know, anyway. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so let's start it off with the uh, title track, title track, piecework. Uh, what can I, well, I guess I will preface this all by saying that I think we recorded basics for this record like three years ago and I'm not exaggerating. It may be even longer. So it may be more like three and a half. So we recorded basics. So, you know, guitar, bass, drums for this, like at least three or so years ago. And then like a bunch of shit happened. Scott has a Scott has a uh, uh, an existing throat condition that makes singing for him difficult. Yeah. Like he has nodes on his vocal cords. Like he's written songs about this. He's interviewed. You know, he's talked about it at length. So it's not like I'm uh, sharing uh, privileged HIPAA information here or anything. <laughs> HIPAA violation. Right. Exactly. Podcast flagged. Yeah. Right. <laughs> So, 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 yeah. Scott got a bad case of writer's block. He had throat stuff happen. He had like life and parenting stuff. I had yeah. life stuff come up, um, all of which had to be dealt with, you know, all of which took uh, the the priority over like actually finishing the record. So right. the stuff has all been, it's been, it was mostly done for a really long time and we we're all waiting for Scott to do vocals. And then he finally did. And then, you know, it takes six months for a record to come out and then it takes another six months for you to get vinyl. Hopefully we will have vinyl for the tour. I'm told that there have been shipping uh, uh, notices and everything issued. So thrilled Great. about that. So. <laughs> Hats off. So, yeah, right? Exactly. We, it was getting down to the wire, man. We finally got some tracking numbers. It's a beautiful thing. 
we might not lose our asses on this tour account and get. Stoked. I know that's 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 the new uh, that's the new big money major label is we may not lose our asses on this. That's oh, how yeah, far that's... the expectations out have gone, you know. Yeah. So I will I will temper all of all of this by saying like my recollections of recording this stuff. It's at least three years old, so I sure. can get everything wildly wrong. You may be your um, own unreliable narrator. I get right. it. Right. Yeah. Uh, piecework, one of the first things that we wrote, um, I think it, in many ways it is just sort of like the or the or you are, the, the or Kowloon Walled City song. Um, it's got sort of all of the elements in there, um, and it is uh, not like in a rush sense. It's not like the overture for the record, but it is sort of the overture in the record in that it you know, it's laying out kind of like what you're going to get. Like you're going to get, yeah. this has all of the, all of the component parts and we're going to arrange them in different order throughout the record, but this is the record. It's the statement of intent. Yeah. I mean, I think title tracks for me always carry a special weight just because they, the fact that they're a title track, like yeah. there's gotta be a reason why it has the titular line. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so from a, from a lyrical standpoint, um, a lot of the songs on this record, uh, according to Scott, are about uh, his grandparents who lived in rural Kentucky. And, you know, Piecework is a reference to, you know, when his grandmother would go to the shirt factory and get paid per piece. Like she would sew a collar on a thing and, you know, that would be whatever it was, five or ten cents. I'm not sure what yeah. the figure would have been, but that is that is the, uh, the, the, the titular Piecework of the title. Next up is uh, Utopian. Um. It's got I, I one of my favorites, uh, mostly because I feel like uh, we do a little bit of a bait and switch. It's got this really gross, dissonant, like bowel loosening first note. Like it is <laughs> it, descriptor, <it's>, yes. <laughs> it is this like really gross, dissonant thing, and then it very quickly resolves and becomes it contains some of the more melodic moments on the record. So um, I, I like that we sort of establish this really, you know, evil, gross thing and then switch it up and it becomes like this, I, I don't know, as melodic as we get, I guess. <laughs> it's, it's melodic. I mean. Yeah, know. for sure. It is. It doesn't need to be qualified. It's <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. And that's the thing. That's the, that's, so that's the tension with me and Scott. I'm always trying to add more melody in there. Mm -hmm. And I feel like 15 years on, he's letting me get my way like, <laughs> once or twice a record. First record, I got my way 0% of the time. Second record, maybe 5%. And maybe now I'm up to like 12% of the time. He lets me do my little frilly thing in there. Call your shot, Miller. <laughs> Right, so you gotta make it count, man. Cause you only get one or two. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I think there's some of that in there. Oxygen tent. Um, started with a, a drum figure. I think Dan and I may have come up with the, or Dan may have come up with the drum figure. And there's nothing I like more than locking up with that dude. Like as a bass player, um, playing with a drummer like Dan who has incredibly good internal time is just so satisfying. And so it's super fun to play that figure up top. And my goal, as always, I heard there was a James Brown uh, quote or something that like, I can't remember where I, where I got this from, but my goal as the bass player is never to arrive at the downbeat before Dan does. 
So it's okay if I get there at the same time as him or slightly after him. But if I anticipate Dan hitting the downbeat, that's like no good. That's no bueno. And so with oxygen set, particularly, I am waiting. I am trying to like think like Robbie Shakespeare or, you know, somebody like that and like be like a dub dude and get there at the last possible moment. Right, right, right. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, cool. There's a, there's a, like, there's a, like, I go into a very dub sensibility when playing this stuff because yeah. that is like, it's my major frame of reference for playing slow stuff, at, you know, slow rhythm sectional stuff like this. I'm trying to think like a dub dude. Yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense. That absolutely makes sense. Uh, that's great. Uh, and, and I can totally hear that actually uh, in there. Uh, you had a plan. Um, you had a plan is a weird one. That is, is that the one that we call the Alice in Chains song? <laughs> Let me, I gotta play, I gotta play, I gotta play this real quick. Make sure it's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah. That's the Alice in Chains song. Okay. <laughs> I would not have thought of that in a million years. personally. But, yeah. I, I've not, so I've never listened to Alice in Chains. Like I think I know the man in the box song and that's it. Yeah. But like, um, some some something about this song or so it's got this it's got this weird like really long intro where Dan doesn't play anything for like three minutes yeah and then it finishes like incredibly strong so it, it might like for me I, I love I love the end movement of this um and it's I feel like it, it earns it it's like we're doing this sparse I don't know, sparse uh, the indie rock riff for a long time. And then it finally builds into this relentless heavy thing at the end. Um, and, and I really love the way that Scott executes the vocals at, at the very end. It's super fucking cool. It's just so satisfying to play. Um, but again, it's one of those things where I have to be incredibly deliberate about um, note spacing, note duration, rests, and all of that stuff which is not my, like, that's not, that's not how I was brought up playing. I, I was brought up <laughs> playing punk, so I'm sloppy. And, yeah, you know, yeah. I was trying to, like, be Steve Harris, but in a punk band. So I was trying to play as many notes as possible. So this is, like, the polar opposite. And I really am trying to, like, pull everything back and play as little as possible, um, which is which makes it interesting and incredibly difficult for me. That's interesting because, it, I mean, it doesn't sound labored. Or anything mm-hmm. along those lines at all, but it's interesting. That is the goal, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you don't you don't want it to sound like you're having a fucking hard time doing it. But uh, this guy's this guy's having a rough go of it. <laughs> yeah, that's not. Yeah, that's not. That's not what you want. <laughs> yeah, that's no, not not a, not an idealized format for sure. Uh, that's great. Uh, splicing. What can I say about splicing? Um, again, like piecework, it's kind of like this is this is the this is the mission statement. It's like mm-hmm. this is this is the thing that we do. Uh, it's got really cool. Uh, the, one of the things that I appreciate about this, it's it's just the the classic John Howell stuff where he's going to do his bizarre inverted chord voicing, um, where he's doing like some sort of you can't see my hands, most of you, but like he's doing some <laughs> like nine fret stretch to play some weird chord that shouldn't even exist. Right. It doesn't exist on most guitars, um, but they're just so beautiful. And I think it probably is a lot of that Sparhawk. Um, you know, Gillian Welch type uh, uh, stuff that, that he does. And and Unwound, like you, you called out the Unwound oh, comp yeah. before. I think if I had to say that's probably John's favorite band. Um, so that's that's like in the DNA very deeply. Yeah, and 
why wouldn't it be? Right. <laughs> you know, one of my one, fa- one of my favorite bands. American rock bands. Yeah, yeah, like it's one one of the one of the best, uh, but yeah. but not in a way that like it's like oh these guys like unwound. It's just like oh no that in, that influence you know uh, it shows, but it's it's his own voice. So yeah. When we fall through the floor, right? Um, yeah, this is another time. I'm just trying to go like full dub mode. Uh, link up with Dan in the rhythm section and support those guys, even though like. I get a little feature here. I get to play like it's as, as close to a bass solo as I'll ever get. There's, there's, like a, there's two... a figure. I would call it more of a figure than a solo, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> there's like two and a half seconds of only bass at the top of this song. And that's as, yeah, that's, that's as close as I'll get to a feature uh, at any point. So, um, no, this is uh, I really, really like this song. Um, I feel like it could, it could have gone, not that I'm trying to resequence the record, uh, relitigate that, but it could have gone like as a single. I feel like it's it, it's super strong, um, and I just love uh, I love so Jeff. As much as I like Jeff as a drummer, he did have a tendency to speed up. Uh, mm-hmm. His internal meter just wasn't as good as Dan's. And with Dan's, we're, it's funny because we play together so much. It's almost like we're fucking with each other and seeing who can hit the down, who can hit the downbeat last. It's like a you're daring each other. Last, we're playing a game of chicken, and the idea is like who can lag harder, who can hit the downbeat later than the other guy. Fantastic. And in that intro figure to when we fall through the floor, it's like yeah, I gotta watch him or you know I'll I'll lose it. Like I'll I'll end up out ahead of him because he's so just so deliberate about it and it's 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 challenging and it's very satisfying yeah i mean it works it, it's, that is funny that it is like uh uh like <laughs> just when they, when they would race the cars to the cliff right? oh yeah uh, like <laughs> straight up a game of chicken <laughs> game of chicken thank you good good yeah. think of that yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then of course you got the last last song in the record we have a uh, lamp black probably my favorite um it's a good one i yeah, this is um, one of those few times where, you know, we sort of like Scott let us be melodic and there's like a there's like a major a major key uh, change in there. Um, I really, really like uh, the, the lyrics. I really like the way Scott sings over it um, again. Could have been a single. Yeah, um, it's just. Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah, we're, we're playing. We're practicing a bunch right now. We're rehearsing for for these shows. This is far. I'm not. I'm not saying it's the best song that we're playing, but it's far and away my favorite song to play out of this batch. And you got like such a, so. And so, first of all, so that's piecework. So that's piecework. Uh, CalumalCityBandcamp.com. Uh, go get it there. It's on uh, Narat Recordings. Uh, as and well. Gilead, Gilead Media. Media. Yeah, Gilead. I don't want to neglect them. Um, so, but yeah, before I immediately dance away from that to something else, uh, you got a deep catalog at this point. Yeah, and you're playing some places that people have never seen you play. Yeah, we're playing some. I don't know. Is that stuff called the Upper Midwest? How? How? What are we? What are, what are we <laughs> describing? That? It depends. It depends on who you ask. <laughs> Hamtramck, Chicago, Indianapolis. Never played. Any R- of those R- Rust Belt is uh, Rust probably Bell. a satisfactory uh, descriptor yes. for it. A uh, lot, lot of people around here would get upset. Uh, it, it, over it's, people like getting upset about things that don't matter at all. For sure, but like regional. What else? Have, what else have we got? What else have we got these days? Except <laughs> exactly. getting upset at stuff that doesn't matter. Have you been on this thing called the internet? Yeah. Uh, 
But yeah, so you're playing new territory. You're playing places that yep. Kowloon has never played before. You got this deep catalog. People have this emotional attachment to uh, to a lot of material, but there's only so many songs that you can practice and play, and you got to make difficult choices in some cases. So with the exception of the uh, uh, All the Bongs show, 420, <laughs> which you know exactly what the set list is going to be, how do you decide what like what stuff you're playing? It's a good question. Um, I'm very excited to play the bong show. I'm very excited to play the 420 container ship show because it's not going to be uh, the only, I will say, I'm not going to spoil it, but I will say it's not only going to be container ships. Okay. There will be some bonus material and I'm very excited about that. Uh, to your other question, how do we come up with these sets? I try to stay out of those discussions. That's John, John, for whatever reason, John has become, John has become the set list guy. Mm, okay. It's good to have uh, and I guy. don't, I don't know how he ended up with that honor or responsibility, but like John and Scott will like, you know, if I showed you the text thread, uh, the, the band, <laughs> the band chat, it's mostly those guys like debating so, uh, sets and, and song list order and stuff. Right, right. Um, so I think that, you know, if you're wondering what you're going to hear, it's going to be uh, almost entirely stuff from the John era. Yeah. So that's Container Ships On. And it's going to be heavy on piecework because that's the album that it's we're a, promoting. It's a new goddamn record. So, yeah. The new goddamn record. And it's been out. <laughs> I feel like it will have been out long enough that people will be able to familiarize themselves with the material. Like, I hate, like, I don't know, like going to arena shows as a kid when you'd go to see Judas Priest and then they played the block of four songs off of the record, either that just came out last week or wasn't coming out until a month from now. Right. <laughs> it's like, that was such a bummer. It's like, nobody wants to hear that. Like, yeah. I understand what you're doing. Yeah. But I don't know those songs. I've never heard those songs. Oh man. Like yeah. you've had, you've had six, seven months, hopefully long enough to familiarize yourself with these where hopefully you will not check out for the four song block that we're doing. <laughs> It'd be an extended bathroom break. Yeah. Right. right. <laughs> Go outside and smoke. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> the only my, my key for that, and I've told this story many times, but I don't think I've told it to you. Uh, ZC Top, uh, Conquer Pavilion, got free tickets. Hell yeah. At, 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 and I was like, do you want to see free tickets? What year, what year are we talking? Uh, this is... Uh, this is VNA. So this is got to be like ten years ago, probably something like along okay. those lines. And um, so yeah, I got. Hey, do you want free tickets to ZZ Top? And I'm like, fuck yes. Where do I need Absolutely. to be to make this happen? Uh, saw them. Great, fantastic. Uh, they even played like the Eliminator songs, but they played them like, um, you know, like it was on Degello or something or, or, or something along those lines. So I was like, oh, that's awesome. Hell yeah. Like it. But the one not, thing- not all fair late, not all fair late sequenced bullshit. Right, exactly. <laughs> which I which I uh, I've, I've referenced as being like, you know, Billy Gibbons and the producer sitting there like while Dusty and Frank are asleep downstairs. You know, like let me know when it's done. Let me know. Let me know when it's time to do my part. But. Uh, Billy was like, well, San Francisco, first of all, not San Francisco, Concord. Uh, we've never let you down in 40 years, whatever the years were. We've yeah. always played a blues jam. To which I said, well, time to piss. And I got up <laughs> and, yeah. and went. And by the time I got back, the blues jam was over. So it was a successful uh, event in, in so every I, possible way. I did perfectly. But yeah, I always think that we've never let you down. In 40 years, we've always oh, played boy. a booze jam. Oh. 
You've never or you've always. <laughs> yeah, you've always gonna, let me say, down. I could I could think of like forty songs I would want you to play that are not a blues jam and you're yeah. you know but anyway. Uh, Manic with Planet just being up front just yelling for like obscure <laughs> shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I thought I thought you might appreciate that. So anyway, don't Absolutely. Don't, don't I guess I guess the moral of that story is don't play a blues jam even if uh, you've never Damn let it. them down before, right? <laughs> right. I'll, I'll let Scott know <laughs> yeah. to cut the blues jam. I'll let John know to cut the blues jam. <laughs> Notorious bluesmen, they, as they are. Uh, all right. So, 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 so. Last uh, one of the last things. First of all, I, I would be disingenuous not to mention that I've been really enjoying your appearances on the Rigs of Dad podcast. Oh, thanks. That's been so much fun. Uh, yeah, Ross reached out to me at some point during the pandemic. Uh, we just become friends on Instagram, mm-hmm. and uh, he knew I was a film nerd, and so. Um, yeah, we spun up this like he he had the existing podcast already, uh, and so yeah, I think uh, uh, it's just been a blast chatting with Ross and uh, Ross and other folks about about movies. Um, it's it's been awesome. And out of that, you know, we've developed this friendship, and now Burial Waves, his band, mm-hmm. uh, is supporting Kowloon on a bunch of those East Coast dates. So we're thrilled to have them, man. It's, it, it all it all ties together. Yeah, it's one of the few shows about movies I actually enjoy listening to. <laughs> Okay. High praise. Thank you very much. <laughs> and uh, you know, I'm a pretty harsh critic. So, but but and of course, so of course, I like it because it's like think about it, the fact that like where you guys are coming from, and obviously where I'm coming from, and whatnot. But I think if I think it's it was surprising to me because I was familiar with the show, but I was like, oh, they're doing mo- movie. They did a pivot. Like, what's happening now? They're doing movie stuff. And then I was like, oh, okay, right on. You know, why not? I mean, Ross is incredibly knowledgeable about film. Um, Absolutely. Like, I didn't. I didn't know that about him, but uh, he is deep, deep, deep into the stuff. Well, um, I, and that's one of the things I like about it is it, it is very deep and detailed and comes from an informed place. It isn't just like messing around, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. he's not just like, yeah, I, I like this. I don't like that. Yeah. He's like, yeah, I like this editing thing here. And, you know, what? Well, yeah, he's super knowledgeable. Yeah. And it's, uh, I, I, yeah, like I said, I've, I've been enjoying it. And, uh, you know, I'm stoked for that movie night extravaganza crossover, which I never mentioned on this show. And I probably, and Forrest has brought up to me that I probably should start mentioning it because this, this show has, let's say, say, a sizable more audience than uh, that show. But yeah, we're going to do, oh, but we're going to do a, we're going to do a crossover episode for Spinal Tap. So that's, hell yeah. That, that, that should help. That, that'll, that'll be like the, uh, uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like an old classic TV sitcom crossover. All I could think of was Flintstones and Jensen, Jetsons, but that's not. That's exactly where my mind went. Is that amazing? <laughs> that's, 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 that's indicative of something for sure. Yeah. I mean, we're both showing our age here, I guess. I don't know. Uh, do you ever think about how nutty it is that Happy Days spun off like five additional sitcoms, including Mark and Mindy? Yes. That yes. is fucking bonkers. Isn't that nuts? Yeah. Like That is the weird. That's so weird. We were watching. Vernon Shirley, Joni loves Chachi. Mark and Mindy. There's probably at least one more that I'm not thinking. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. And Joni loves Chachi, of course, is the most momentous of all of them. Yeah. Uh, but, <laughs> but yeah, it's got Luke Scott Baio be the Republican hero that he is today without Joni loves Chachi. Uh, President Scott Baio, yeah. <laughs> Future President Scott Baio. <laughs> but the, I mean, the thing that gets me is out of all those spinoffs, there was not a The Fonz spinoff, you know. Which, which is yeah, like, that's crazy. Which is crazy. The, the one, last couple seasons of Happy Days was basically just just the Fonz. It's, yeah. it's the Fonz and some other folks. Yeah. <laughs> and he had that mustache. It was all very grim. It was dark time. Jumping sharks, you know. <laughs> literally, literally yes. jumping sharks, uh, defining the trope. Anyway, uh, Kowloon Walled City, uh, piece work. Uh, at the time of this recording, there's a ton of, of dates 
coming up. So uh, all you East Coast listeners and Rust Belt, Rust Belt listeners yes. as well, uh, go uh, check out Kalamazoo Mall City because they don't do this very often. Nope, I'm they... here to tell you. Yeah, Who knows? Like, <laughs> take it from the guy could, in the band. We could all die. We could all die in a nuclear conflagration, or we just like John's about to have a kid, so we're not going to be doing this for a while. Yes, yes, exactly. Uh, and it's so great to have you, man. It's been a long time coming. So, dude, thank you so much for having me. This is a lovely conversation. Uh, ready to go any old time. So, yeah, it won't be the last time. Uh, Last question, only can question ever asked. Choose to interpret it however you like. But why do you do what you do? Uh, only because I'll go insane if I don't. Like, literally, there was a time. Uh, so you know how I said Jason moved to Seattle to, like, uh, follow his real career. I tried to do that, like, in the early 2000s. So, you know, we're in the Bay Area. It was the dot-com boom. It was, like, right around 2000. I'm like, oh, I got to do this. I got to be an adult. Um, I can't keep fucking around with this music thing, sold all my gear, like doubled down on like being a professional tech bro guy. And it was like six months before I was just like absolutely cracking up, going nuts, losing my mind. Yeah. Um, I need, apparently I need some sort of artistic outlet and uh, well, artistic, I'm using air quotes. <laughs> I need some kind of outlet and music, I guess, is what mine is. Um, so I start, I, I just, I can't not do it, man. I will go, I will literally lose my mind. So that's why I do it. And because it's super fun. Like I get, I get to meet people like you. I get to hang out with my strangely bandmates and do Simpsons gags. And I get to meet and develop relationships with people like Scott and John and Dan in Kalamwald City. And they're, you know, some of my best friends on the planet. And so you, know, you meet people all across the country and they become, uh, like an extended family. Um, so that's not why I started out doing it, but that's why I mean, that's, those are things that I'm grateful for and why I continue to do it, I guess. Nice. You know, I don't, cause I don't know any better. That's why I do it. <laughs> if I knew any better, I'm like the bumblebee, you know, the bumblebee, if you told it that it physically couldn't fly, it wouldn't be able to fly. That's me. I just don't know that I can't, I can't do this. All right. So nobody tell him. Okay. <laughs> do not tell me, do not tell me. Ian, it's been a pleasure, man. Safe travels. Thank you so much, Conan. Thanks for having me. This is a joy. Uh, let's do it again soon. Sounds good, brother. Later. Take care. Oh, there he goes. Ian Miller. Colorado City. What a great guy. That, that that's It's been way too... I should have had him on long ago. So my apologies, everyone. I'll get to all of it. Uh, anyway, let's hear a song from, uh, from Peacework. Let's actually listen to You Had a Plan.
you had a plan. Kowloon Walt City. That's Kowloon Walt City. That is another Kowloon Walt City song as well. Uh, these are all available when you see them play or to get on their, on their records. I'm ending the show now. I'm not doing that anymore. Uh, the record's called Peacework. It's good. If you follow the Protonic Reversal top records of the year, and why shouldn't you? It was on there. So, And even if you don't, it was still on there. Uh, that was Ian Miller. What an awesome dude. Uh, long time coming. Super glad to have him on. Uh, go see Kowloon on tour, if possible. You will not regret it. It will be the thing that you want it to be. And New York listeners, all the bongs, 420. At, uh, at uh, Vitus. Uh, they're in container ships, which, which is great. The name of the show is Conan Neutron's Protonic Reversal. Thank you very much for listening to it. The show airs Thursdays, 8 Eastern, 7 Central, 6 Mountain, 5 Pacific on Radio Note. Live streaming Twitch, Facebook, YouTube, all over the damn internet. If you like the show... Archives are free. Bretonicreversal.com. Always free. No ads, no sponsors, no kidding. Additionally, additionally, Signing off. if you want to support the show and get episodes sooner, $1 a month at patreon.com slash That will get you there. And uh, it's appreciated. Thanks to everyone liking, subscribing, sharing the show around, all that good stuff. All that stuff helps. 50,000 watts of power. It's appreciated. Uh, leaving a review. I wanna the air. Letting people know about it. Yeah, that helps on all, on all the various things. So thank you for that. Lots of great stuff to come. I... This microphone. Deer Horse coming up again. Justin Broderick of Godflesh and Jesus coming up. Can you hear yeah, all kinds of stuff. Stay safe out, out there. Route 128, dark and lonely. And take it easy. I got my radio on. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Caller. Or any caller at all.
Welcome to my top 10. I'd like to thank our sponsor. But we haven't got a sponsor. Not if you were the last man on earth. She was prepared to prove it. This one goes out to a special girl. There is no special girl! It's the, it's the end of radio. The last announcer plays the last record. The last what? Leaves the transmitter. Circles the globe in search of a listener. Can you hear me now? if there's no one there to receive. It's the end of radio. As we come to the close of our broadcast day, See?